The emotional health of children is directly related to the emotional health of their parents. And that's what my therapist saw and knew. But as so often, we just want everybody else to fix themselves so that we can live in the world the way that we want to live in the world and be in the world. And it's the really, really hard work of looking inside and figuring out what's happening with us. And, you know, that's where the growth that I've seen has just been, I'm just really grateful for it. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee. Exploring offline realities with online personalities. Jesse McLaughlin is a Southern native now living in Los Angeles. After growing up in North Carolina and singing classically all through college, Jesse married Rhett and they had two boys. Seven years ago, Jesse and her family moved to LA for her husband's YouTube career, and she has a deep love for this place. Now, Jessie is in a new season of life after transitioning out of being a homeschooling mom and is exploring her love of interior design on her Insta channel, A Nomad at Home. Jessie is a dear friend of mine and was kind enough to allow me to record our chat on obsessive compulsive disorder and on her experience with therapy. All right. I am so excited to talk to you. I'm super excited to be here. Is this like your, have you, have you done a podcast? I've before I, I have not I have I've read a little bit for an audiobook Ooh. which is funny but I've never done a podcast so I'm excited nervous all of the above well I'm excited to be your first thanks Caroline <laughs> I'm so, of all the people to be my first it makes <laughs> sense that it would be you so tell me about um tell me a little bit about sort of backup Back up years, back up days, yes. months, weeks, years ago. Um, I know that you are in a super transitional season of life right now where you have, you know, you went from being a homeschool mom to having two your kids at school full time and now being like, you know, what's next? And as your friend, I know one of the things that you're that you're interested in is therapy, which as someone who's obsessed with therapy, I love that. Um, but I want to hear, I want to hear more about that. Like, when did you even get into therapy? That's such a kind of taboo thing for so many people. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like the origin story? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know, we've lived in LA about seven years. Um, we moved here for my husband's career, um, across the country from North Carolina. Uh, so I grew up in the South um, which is wonderful and, you know, all the iconic symbols of the South, the ma- magnolia trees, the uh, fried chicken, um, cornbread, sweet tea, Bojangles for all my Southern friends, Bojangles biscuits, um, wonderful family, uh, like ideal, like white picket fence type situation. Um, and then of course, as happens so many times as an adult, you know, you find out all the things (laughs) about what was really going on and Uh and there's still beauty and love and, and there's hard, real hard stuff too. Um, so I think we had, we had talked about how, you know, uh, 
Oh, therapy. Yes. <laughs> I first, my first therapy um, was my freshman year in college. Um, I went to UNC, go Tar Heels um, in Chapel Hill. And um, it was my dream school. My dad had been there. Uh, it was the only college I applied to. Um, so when I got in, it was, you know, all my dreams were coming true. Um, and a few months in, you know, from the beginning, it was, it was really hard emotionally. And, um, I just didn't know if I was going to be able to make it, if I was going to be able to stay, if I was going to have to drop out. Um, and it wasn't necessarily the workload, but it was, um, the anxiety that I was having, um, around the school situation, around my work, around, um, you know, tests and homework. And it was caused by, um, my, which I didn't know at the time what it was, but would later find out it was OCD. Um, and you know, I had had, uh, hints of like, or thoughts that maybe that's what I had, but I had never been diagnosed. Um, and so my freshman year, you know, I was calling my mom multiple times a day, um, not sleeping, doing basic things was really hot writing papers. Everything took way longer than it should have taken. Um, and a big part of the reason is that I was obsessing about whether or not I was cheating on these tests or cheating on these papers, or I was copying, um, you know, something from a book that I had read, which sounds insane. If you've never had these thoughts, it's like people who regularly cheat on tests don't go around fearing that they're cheating on <laughs> tests. They're like, cool, I don't have to study. I, you know, that was not the case. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's, so strange and so um, hard to relate to if you haven't experienced that. But I think it's like two and a half percent of the population has OCD. So hopefully some of your listeners, maybe two and a half of your listeners <laughs> will be able to relate to this. Um, I have a hundred listeners. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Perfect. It's, Great. Yeah, I mean... More than me, I know you have way more than a hundred listeners. Way, way more. The whole city of Los Angeles and the world is listening. Oh, you're hilarious. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I went. It, it got worse and worse. My mom was like, "Clearly, we have to do something to help you with this." Um, and so I I she took me to a therapist, and um, that was the first time that this therapist was like that I heard someone describe OCD in, in the way that where I could relate to it. You know, so many times um, when you hear about OCD, it's like you see it in TV or movies and it's very um, these cliche mm. types of OCD that are like hand washing. Yeah, that was the thing that was coming to yes, mind for me. Yes. <laughs> or like having to count things a certain number of times. Um, I have had both of those as well. <laughs> but um, a lot of my OCD has been around obsessive thoughts. And um, so sometimes there will be a compulsion for that. So like the way that OCD works is um, you have the thought or the thing that makes you uncomfortable, or it might just be a feeling. Um, and then the compulsion is the thing that you do to relieve the anxiety or the, 
the, um, you know, discomfort you feel with, uh, that feeling or that thought or, um, that circumstance. Mm. So hand-washing is an easy one to use because people can relate to it more. It's like you touch something that, you know, you think might be dirty. Um, and so the compulsion is, oh, I'm going to wash my hands. Well, normal people wash their hands. We hope people wash their hands when they use the bathroom. Like, please, everyone wash your hands. <laughs> um, but with somebody with OCD, you know, it, it might not just be using the bathroom. It might be that you're touching something that someone sat on um, three days ago, you know, a couch somebody sat on three days ago or put their foot up on the couch. And so now maybe you need to to go wash your hands and then you wash your hands and one time isn't enough. And so you have to wash them again because you, your hands still feel dirty. Mm. Um, so, and the thing is, as you do the compulsion, you get less and less relief every time. So it's, you know, you end up standing at the sink, washing your hands for 10 minutes mm. and you have, you know, dry cracking hands. Um, or, you get, it takes you an hour and a half to get out of the house because you've had to turn the light switches on and off 10 times to make sure you turn them off. Or, you know, you have to turn around when you're driving because you think you left your curling iron on. And all of the, you know, I think the thing is so many people have little elements of this because we have brain, everybody has brains and brains are weird mm. and sometimes they misfire. Um, and most people are just able to have those misfires and not obsess about the misfires. You know, with me, it was like, if I had a thought about something, then that must mean that I was going to do it or that I had done it. And so then you are thinking about the thought and you're obsessing about that. Um, one way I heard it described was like a, um, like a, a doorman who, you know, can let thoughts in, let people in or out. And most people have this doorman in their brain, the doorman being the, where's this analogy going? <laughs> and I think you get it. The thoughts are the people he's letting uh -huh, in. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, most people, these thoughts come through and they don't get all the way in. This is a super scientific explanation. <laughs> I, like, I like it. I like it. It's um, a, I can grasp what you're saying. But people with OCD, you know, all the thoughts come in and mm. there's no sifting of like what's important, what's not important. So if I think a thought, I have to think about that thought and I have to worry about why I thought that thought. Um, and of course, you know, something I believe in, you believe in, we've talked about this before, what you resist persists. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're resisting those obsessive thoughts, of course, it's like telling someone not to think about a pink elephant. Um, you, that's all you can think about. Mm -hmm. um, although you're an eight, so I don't know. Maybe uh. You're really good at not thinking about a pink <laughs> elephant. I'm not. Uh. Um, so anyway, I, I, I remember one of the first times that I felt those obsessive thoughts. I was um, in second grade and I was in a play and I was backstage and I looked down at the stage and there was a mark on the floor and I was convinced that I had put that mark on the floor. Um, and, you know, what if I had? It wouldn't be that big of a deal. <laughs> but for some reason in my mind, that thought stuck. And, um, you know, with what we're learning more and more about how the brain works, it's like these, these neuropathways, these ruts, um, 
that our brain gets in. Um, and so your brain learns to obsess about things that are unimportant. And then mm. it obsesses more and more and more about those things. And that was really um, the start of it for me. And, and you know, the whole nature nurture thing. I mean, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, there's, yes, clearly there's a genetic component. And I'm sure maybe you have like a neuroscientist listener who's going to say that, I'm completely wrong and it's all genetic. I, but from what I've read, um, there's can be a genetic and a, um, environmental component. We don't really know. And it's not anyone's fault. Mm. You know, I think as a parent now I'm a parent. So, of course, everything that I think is hard for my kids or every challenge, you know, you feel guilty for because you think it's you've created that or it's your fault or it's some lack in your parenting. But but. It might be, and that's okay, too. <laughs> or it could just be that that was the way your kid came into this world, and that's mm. the path that they're on, and they've got to, that's going to be something that they have to work out. Mm. Yeah, but the fact that you remember it from second grade yeah. means that it's not just something that showed up one day or that all of a sudden, you know, you're not sure how long you were you were yeah. dealing with it. If you have memories going all the way back then, oh yeah, then you know, that's, that's a really um, interesting thing. Cause I was going to ask you, is it genetic? Is it something that, you know, where, where is OCD? Is it in DNA? Is it in your, your neurological developmental yeah. part of, of kind of life? Um, yeah. And I think it's both. Yeah. I think the answer is yes. Mm, yeah, totally. You know, it always, we is. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we never know. Anything know. is basically the answer to life. Yeah. Um, so then, so you went, um, in college, you went to get, well, you went to a therapist. Was that the first time you'd ever seen that a therapist? That was the first time. I should have gone. I mean, when I look back, so I had that, I remember specifically in second grade, um, but there were, had been other things. And then my third grade year was really, really horrible. I would erase things like write answers on math homework and then rewrite them and rewrite them and erase the page until there was a hole in it, which is like straight up clearly OCD, you know, yeah. there and my third grade year. And that's the interesting thing with OCD. Um, it is like, has this mind of its own and life of its own. And, you know, you go, you have flare ups. And like, I think that whole year, that whole third grade year was basically a flare up for me. Um, it was horrible. And I had an incredible teacher, supportive parents who, you know, were, I'm sure they were like, what is going on with this kid? Because if you don't know, it just seems crazy. It seems very, very strange to somebody who has no reason to know what this is. Um, you know, but of course I was a really good kid. I made for an easy kid because I was afraid to break any rules. (laughs) Um, you know, I told my parents everything I confessed Every thought I had, I'm sure they were so sick of hearing about my crazy thoughts. Um, but I was, I was also just, you know, I was, I grew up in an um, evangelical culture in the South as a woman, of course, a little girl. Mm. Um, so there's all kinds of baggage with that, which you know about, <laughs> that um, I am continuing to work through. Uh, and, you know, there's a whole... Um, so OCD can look lots of different ways. Like we talked about the hand washing. We talked about um, intrusive thoughts, um, you know, ordering. Uh, there's a, a type of OCD that's called scrupulosity. And it can, it's a, 
OCD around religious things. Um, and so when you grow up in this evangelical culture, I went to a Christian school that was super strict, um, lots of rules. Um, and you know, you say, of course, in the culture I was in, it's like, it's, it's not about, you know, religion. It's, it's about this relationship. Um, and that's what said explicitly this relationship that you have with God, but the, what you see implicitly is a whole lot of rules. And, um, for, for some people, um, you're in a situation like that and you see all the rules that are ridiculous or that don't resonate with you. And you're like, screw this. Like, I'm good. For me, I was like, I have to follow all the rules. Mm. Um, so somebody with OCD in that environment uh, is going to follow all the rules really, really well. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but they're going to, it's going to make them batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh. So, um, I, another thing with OCD is transitions. So it's usually if, you know, you have these ways that you kind of cope. And so many times I was even, I was reading, um, just about this before I came just to kind of refresh my memory. Um, and, and so many times people who have OCD hide it really well. You know, I, I think there were weird things that I would do, but nobody would really know. They would just think that's like some quirky, whatever, Jesse thing. Um, and you're coping, like you're spending so much time with this other script happening that nobody, that you're the only one that can read or hear. Um, and you're trying to cope with it while you're doing, while you're living your life. Um, and you and people are human beings are amazing because we can learn to cope in all kinds of crazy circumstances with all kinds of crazy things happening in our brain. Um, so I did a lot of coping throughout mm -hmm. my childhood. Uh, so, yeah, I went I, I went in the, to the therapist my freshman year because that was a huge transition. And because you know, OCD tends to flare up when we have these life transitions. Mm. Um, that's what was happening. Mm. And she was such like in, an incredible therapist. I um, was put on antidepressants and it's like, I remember, you know, it's supposed to take a few weeks for them to really kick in. And with some people it can take a few months. Um, but for me, I don't know if it was because of my makeup genetically or if it was placebo effect who knows but within a few days I remember thinking this is what normal people feel like mm. um and it was like it the antidepressants changed my life like I just feel like they were the biggest gift um and it doesn't they don't take it away it's not like you wake up and you don't have OCD but you feel like you're able to filter that filtering that wasn't didn't happen before you can have the thought and it can pass on by mm. you don't have to get caught up in the thought you don't have to obsess about the thought um you don't get stuck in that rut and it's 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 life-changing mm. um and of course with that though <laughs> I had to go through the thing, which I think a lot of people who've 
been on antidepressants would say where I thought I was better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I would be like, oh, you know what? I'm totally not like I have got this OCD thing down. I'm good. Um, And so I would go off the meds. Oh, and then I would see that like, oh, it was the meds that were making me feel better. Yeah. It's not because I had had like conquered this thing and and but coming to terms with, you know, and there are the thing is, and I can talk about it more, but like, there's so many ways like cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, There's another kind of therapy I was reading about recently, that's more of a mindfulness approach that can really um, mitigate the effects of the OCD and, and really help you um, to let those thoughts go and to live a normal life. Um, and, and there's antidepressants and sometimes one works for people and one doesn't. And sometimes you need them both. Um, so, you know, for me, I think I saw such a difference with the antidepressants and it was so clear that, and and they don't even really, I mean, they try to explain how antidepressants work and people even scientists don't exactly understand what the mechanism is that's that's making them work. Like, you know, they have the cute little cartoons on the advertisements mm-hmm. that seem really simple and straightforward. I think it was a whole Radio Lab episode about how maybe it wasn't right anyway um, about how you know they don't really know. Yeah, it's some kind of serotonin, but they're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, like I said, the answer to life is we don't know. Yeah. Um. So I was gonna say, is is there a component of depression with OCD, mm. or how does an antidepressant? How is the antidepressant the thing that supports OCD if depression isn't a component of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely, for me at least you know, huge depression that comes along with the OCD. Um, Not, I think just because of how the weight, the weight that it is on Mm. you, you feel like you're constantly fighting and you just get tired (laughs) of that. So depression, a lot of people with OCD definitely have depression, but that's not, I don't think that the medicine is treating the depression. It's um, has something to do with, serotonin and um you know the the way the brain the neurons fire Mm. i don't know we need to ask mike Mm. i'm sure mike would have there someone understands maybe um okay so i want to there are so many questions i have i want to go back go back a couple first of all my question is did your parents ever say anything to you about it growing up? Was there ever any kind of acknowledgement that, oh, Jesse's going through something? Absolutely. Or Jesse, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think like that third grade year when it was so bad, my dad actually talked to a um, psychiatrist and he said, just get her really involved. Maybe, you know, she has an active brain, which I, I was reading recently about, you know, inflammation. People with OCD tend to have brains that are more inflamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this joke that I had hot brain in my family. That's what they called it. Hot brain. I didn't sleep as a baby. Um, it required very, very little sleep. Drove my parents crazy. So um, we talked Yes, we knew I had these things, but I think 
and there was maybe some joking about it being OCD or maybe they just kind of assumed, yeah, that's what it is. But, you know, I didn't have a formal diagnosis mm. and it looked so different than the typical OCD. So um, I think it had to get to the point that it was so bad that that we knew we needed intervention that yeah. was more than just um, praying or <laughs> talking me through it. Mm. Um, you know, and that's the thing, I think, um, especially in the evangelical world, and I think it's getting better, but there was so, uh, there is a stigma around therapy, um, in, in America in general, Mm. um, you know, and as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about, I was like, this is going to be like an overheard LA episode because I'm going to sit around and talk about like therapy and I'm in Los Angeles and this is so cliche. Um, <laughs> Let them judge. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, the reason people can't stop talking about it is because um, it changes your life. Mm. So that my little stint in therapy, my freshman year, um, you know, I went a handful of times. Mm. Um, and then when the medicine started working so well, I stopped going. Yeah. When you when you first went, um, did you have any sort of process around that? Did you struggle with it? No. Was it like, you know, so you didn't have the so shame or the yeah to get help. And mm. I think I, you know, I was at the point where it was so heavy. And so much that I was just whoever could help me, like, I don't care who you are. I I'll take it. Mm. OK, well, um, that's, yeah, I was I was wondering because um, especially like you were saying within the within the community that you grew up in, I mm. haven't experienced that community be a space that's very, you know, mental health uh, proactive with mm-hmm. getting support and, right. and seeing therapy as a positive thing. A right. lot of people that I know see that as, you know, more of the, there's something wrong with mm-hmm. you or, um, or like only really fucked up people do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and well, so I, and the thing is there was something wrong with me mm. and there's something wrong with all of us, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yep. yeah, yep. that's called being human. Like, it's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We know, like we say, we say these things and they're super cliche, but it's because they're true. Like nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. The people who act like they do are the ones who are really jacked up. Like, you know, I, I, so yeah, I, I did not, I think having a, my mom who was like, we have to help, like we have to do something, you know, she called, she found somebody. It was a recommendation from a friend. Um, but I think I never got to the real root of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, again, I don't know that there's a root of OCD that you can say like, this is why it's like all these factors. Um, but but I did stop going to therapy. And then it wasn't till probably 10 years later when some things blew up in my family that um, I went back 
So, you know, there's been this pattern in my life of like things have to get really bad. And I think that's how most people are. Mm. It's expensive. Mm. Like it's a huge barrier to people, the expense. And it doesn't have to be. And there's insurance if you have it and it covers your therapist. But Mm. there's also like more and more. I know we've talked about um, other ways that you can get therapy. There's uh, that these phone therapists now right or yep. skype therapists yeah um that are way cheaper mm-hmm. and there are also therapists who um take on a certain percentage of clients who don't have insurance who yes. just pay a cash reduced rate yes. because they so believe in what the in the work that they're doing and wanting it to be accessible to everyone yeah. um and so yeah i mean I, I, I absolutely think that therapy is a luxury yeah. and that people who have access to considering their mental health are privileged people. Amen. I mean, just the fact that we can sit here and talk about absolutely. our brains and how we feel means yeah. that we already had food this morning, mm-hmm. that we already know, like, if we walk into the kitchen, we can get a drink of water and yes. we don't have to walk five miles to find a well somewhere and hope that it's going to be drinkable. Like we're very privileged. And that to me is always something that I feel like I have to, I don't have to, I want to attach that when I talk about mental health. Cause I'm just like, you know, when I go to the developing world and I'm looking around at people living their lives in a totally different way than I do. And here I am in America talking about like sexuality and figuring it out and equality and, you know, like Mm -hmm. all these things that are, yes, they're so important, but they're also so privileged that we have time and space and energy as a culture to talk about sexuality when some people are still figuring out where they're going to eat and if they're going to make it through the month Mm -hmm. and if their child is ever going to go to school, much less make it through 12th grade or college. It's like Maslow's hierarchy mm, of needs. I think about that a mm, lot, a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. So going back to you, I just think, um, yes, there are many ways, especially in America, we are very, very, very blessed uh, to be able to have so many options. Mm. Um, But even then, I think for some people here, it would still be a struggle to have the time, you know, the it, well, time yeah, to be it, able it to. Absolutely, I think it absolutely felt like a luxury to me and things had to be so, and it was, and the expense was a huge, like I didn't want to spend the money. Mm. And I think, of course, looking back, I realized like, man, wherever I could have cut from to make that time, like it, it the rewards and the benefits that it has reaped in my life have been, you know, so huge. Mm. Um, and it's worth it, whatever, what it's, it's worth it. And I, I, my therapist, um, has several clients that he, um, charges a very, very, very low rate to because he believes in it and wants, wants them to get the support that they need. Um, so, yeah, I went back to that same therapist again um, when I was when things happened in my family and I needed um, an unbiased third party who could um, help me mm. figure life out. Uh, and again, it was a handful of times. And yet every time I would leave, I would feel hopeful, which was 
um, not an easy feeling to come by at that time in my life. Um, and, uh, grateful and, um, and then, you know, we moved to LA, um, in 2011. Um, and I was homeschooling, which was insane. <laughs> like, why did I do that? No, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And, you know, we had these incredible, we read incredible books. We, um, went to, had amazing field trips, had a beautiful community of people and other homeschoolers. Um, but it's a lot emotionally on a mama. Mm-hmm. And, um, can you stay on, can you stay on antidepressants when you're pregnant and breastfeeding, well, by the way? And you know, that was pretty interesting because, mm. um, I went off for my first child, my first son, I went off of him while I was pregnant, um, went off. And then at about he, when he was six months old, I had to stop nursing and go back on them. Um, and with my, and, and those are all super personal decisions, you know, like some OBs will say, stay on the antidepressants, you know, and that's when it's really important to work with clearly you're a therapist and a, and your OB and like figure out what is the best thing for you. Mm. Um, cause you know, everything in life is a cost benefit analysis. So for me and for my mental health, I knew I would be so worried if I stayed on them. So I, I went off of them, but at six months and actually with both of my boys at six months, um, I kind of, it was like whatever adrenaline or whatever reserves I was running on ran out <laughs> at six months. Mm -hmm. And it was like the world came crashing in. Um, and so with, with, my older son, I stopped breastfeeding at six months and went on the antidepressants with my younger son. I just stayed on him and breastfed and at six months. Um, and that was fine too. So, you know, even with me, I did different things with different babies. So, you know, it, I, please, obviously I'm not giving medical advice. <laughs> no, no. I was just curious if yeah. there was, um, you know, as you were talking about going on the medication, um, I was thinking about, you and and the fact that you've had two children yeah. in that process. So I was just wondering, um, I don't know anything about yes, that yes. side of and things. And lots there are people who do both. I think a lot of people are staying on them, you know. Well, I feel like it would be very jarring to your system to not only be pregnant, which I've never been pregnant, but apparently it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy. And you're like trying to grow a human yeah. and go through all of these transitions and also kind of like having your like your yes. support system ripped out from yeah. under you where you're just sort of like okay well so i can i i can only just empathize with the idea that it yeah. would be really hard so anyway keep it going was. it was <laughs> all yes. my side questions sorry <laughs> no it's great um so yeah you know when i was uh i guess it was about two or three years ago um I had been my being a parent is challenging. Mm. <laughs> of course. No kidding. I uh, have much respect. And like most wonderful, beautiful, brutal, hard, excellent things in the world. Yeah. Um, and so and kids are challenging in different ways. 
Um, and, you know, I had two super active, um, adventurous, curious boys um, who homeschooling was great for them because they weren't having to sit still in a class for hours and hours on end when they were super young. Um, but it is challenging for a mom to keep active, excited, adventurous, curious boys busy. Um, and especially with my second one, second son, um, he was like really active (laughs) and, um, curious. And if I did not have something for him to do at all times, he would find things to do. And a lot of times they were things that might not be the things I wanted him to do. You know, I, I found him on a, on the roof one time. Um, I, the list of things is hilarious and he's a character horrifying. (laughs) Um, so it got to the point where I felt like his relationship with me, that our relationship was suffering. Um, and so I finally was just like, I've got to get him in therapy. Like I have to get both of us in therapy, but, for our relationship. And he's probably really the one who needs to be in therapy. Um, so I asked a friend who's had taken her children to therapy before and she loved the therapist and, um, it was a dude, which I, I felt like I wanted my little guy to have a guy um, to relate to cause he's with his mom so much. I thought this would be, you know, a good change for him. So I, he called the therapist calls me, um, and says, Hey, you know, I, I'm my, my uh, schedule is full, but I love the person that, um, referred you to me. I respect this person. And so why don't you come in and we'll see if it's a good fit. Um, and if it is, then, then maybe, you know, we can try to make some room and you come in first without your kid and you can kind of give me the lowdown and tell me what's up with him and, and what you see. And then we can bring him in later. So, you know, sounds great. I go in, I talk to him. Um, and at the end of our session, he says, so Jesse, I'm thinking it might be good if you came in next time and, and didn't bring your son and you came in just for you. And I, I said, you know, I had a feeling this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the next week he's like, I, I think you need to come for like an hour and a half. I don't think an hour is enough time for you. <laughs> amazing so it was super humbling and also not surprising at all Um, and that was about two years ago Mm. and I have been going almost every week since then Um, and now three 
of the four members of my family all go. And the reason I went, Shepard, my youngest, he has only met our therapist, I think, once <laughs> or twice. <laughs> so that's how it goes. Uh-huh. But I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I think it's hilarious, you know, that I thought he was the one with the problem mm. and the problem, not the problem that I, I read. I think it was Shannon Dingle on Twitter this week who um, said, you know, the emotional health of children is directly related to the emotional health of their parents. And that, that's what my therapist saw and yeah. knew. But as so often, we just want everybody else to fix themselves so that we can live in the world the way that we want to live in the world and be in the world. And it's the really, really hard work of looking inside and figuring out what's happening with us. And, you know, that's where the growth that I've seen has just been, I'm just really grateful Mm. for it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting to me how I see some people and some of them are very close to me, but they will say, they will make comments like, therapy is a, is a placebo mm-hmm. and um you know therapy is is for on, only for people who are really really far gone mm-hmm. um or you know therapy is good for you because you have problems and I'm and what I'm hearing in your story which resonates with me so much is therapy is for me about me mm-hmm. so that I can deal with me mm-hmm. so that I can be the best version of myself in my relationships in my community in my family, it's not about me going to fix other people or me going to learn how to control other people into being different. It is 100% about me. And whenever I hear people say, I'm afraid to go into marriage counseling because, you know, she's just going to complain about me the whole time or I'm I'm afraid that the therapist isn't going to hear my side of the story or, or whatever the yeah. fears are that come up. I just – I over and over again it's um, i'm just all i have to say to people is like it's it's about you it's yeah. for you it's someone there to help you with your brain yeah. with your emotions with your body to connect to this like super complex mm-hmm. thing that we're dealing with all day every day and sometimes it's kind of too much to do alone and we go to a doctor to help us with stuff mm-hmm. we go to you know trainers when we want to get fit we go to dietitians when we want to learn how to have healthier nutrition so why is it so hard to be okay with help getting help with our brains Mm. when that's like the biggest part of us it is it just it's just to me i i don't actually know um where or why this kind of cultural taboo came into being but i love seeing it come crashing down mm-hmm. i it makes me so happy to just see people being like yeah therapy yeah so what yeah you know i i i started having my older son um go because he had been playing a sport he had been a diver for four or five years and then at 13 said I, i'm done mom and it was one of those parenting moments where you can't disentangle your own feelings about something from what's best for your kid. Um, And, you know, I thought 
I think, of course, at every stage of my life, I thought I was so evolved. And then I look back and I'm horrified <laughs> at that person, which I'm sure, you know, a year from now, I'll look at this and be horrified at <laughs> half of the things I said or all who knows. Um, but hopefully the goal is that, you know, we just become more aware of all the storylines and all the things that are motivating us that that we we're blind to we're asleep to mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I was like I can't I don't feel like I know how to parent you through this because I can't take myself out of the equation and I didn't even know that I was so attached to you doing this sport I thought I was one of those parents who was doing it because you wanted to do it but clearly I'm not if you're saying I want to quit and I'm saying but you've put so much time into this and I've driven you you know I've spent so many hours on the road driving you places so he um started going to therapy through that and Mm. my therapist said Jesse you have to let him quit Mm. and I said yes sir okay that's very southern of you yes (laughs) I don't really say yes sir I don't say yes sir anymore um (laughs) although my kids still have to say yes sir and yes Ah, (laughs) ma'am only 50 percent of the time (laughs) so um yeah I you know I I had I I said okay quit you got to do this is you I'm not the one diving off of a 10 meter diving board I'm not the you know this is you um but when my son started going to the, my therapist, my therapist said, hey, I'm going to warn you. If he says, I want to keep coming, I'm going to say, OK. And I'm like, what? what? What is this about? Are you going to pay for it? Because this is crazy. <laughs> but by that point, I had seen uh, the ways that my heart was cracking open um, and like the really deep parts of me that were being uncovered and I thought if I could give that to my son there's no better gift as a parent um and if he could start early realizing that it's okay to ask for help realizing that like he doesn't have all the answers I don't have all the answers things aren't black and white um then I think that's one of the greatest gifts as a parent I could give him. So, and of course, because my therapist is like this amazing human being who I'm so grateful for, of course he wanted to keep going. Cause why would you not want to hang out with an amazing human being who sees you and supports you and is for you, mm. you know? And that's the thing when I go to my therapist, I feel totally seen and supported and it doesn't mean he doesn't say hard things. And some days I'm like, I don't want to hear it. And I'll tell him, you know, Mm. and I'll say, look how much I've done. Look how far I've come. Give me some credit. Mm -hmm. And he does. He says, I do give you credit. Like I really do. And this is an area that I see that like is not serving you. Um, and, and seeing him not as some God who has all the answers. And I'm really grateful that he is willing to share his own 
process with me as much as obviously is appropriate mm. and is helpful. Mm. Um, so that I um, can just feel like I'm not on this path of self-discovery alone. Mm. You know, this past week I went in um, and it had been a while. We had been on vacation and he had been gone. So it had been a while. So I had a lot to talk about. And I got in there and I just said, I'm a mess. And he said, you know what? I've been a mess. And just shared shared with me um, a little bit of his his own journey over the past month, just so that I could know that like you never get to the point where you're you're fixed mm. or you're done. Um, and man, it it's so encouraging mm. to know that this person that I respect so much deals with the exact same things I do and not that he's conquered them, but that he is learning how to, how to human mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, how to not miss the forest for the trees, how to love people, how to be guided by the light. I mean, mm -hmm. that's an idea that we come back to a lot mm -hmm is um, the darkness and the light, um, especially coming from like a pretty binary view of the world, um, a rigid view of the world that I had come from. Um, we have to do a lot of work around me being okay with the gray. Um, and it's funny because I think so much of who I am is somebody who actually really likes to go with the flow um, and really likes to not see things in a rigid way and yet the way that my OCD manifested itself, the environment that I was in, um, they were things that I, I constantly felt like I was squishing myself into a box to be okay. Um, and so I think for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm kind of feeling what it feels like to not have the boundaries of that box. And it's incredibly freeing. I feel like I'm in an open field. Um, and it feels like the possibilities are endless and I'm excited. Mm. I'm excited for you. Um, and thank you for, for all of that honesty and vulnerability. Um, I, I hear so much of what you're saying about your therapist and, and in that sort of share so many experiences with my own where it's just so incredible to actually genuinely feel cared for. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm just a file that gets yeah. pulled out, you know, yes. whenever I come in, it's not just like, Oh yeah. You know, these sorts of things. It's, it's, I'm a person yeah. I'm cared for. Um, Jaden and I have been seeing the same therapist for a while, but not together. Yes. And yet, 
apparently we talk about each other in our sessions because (laughs) (laughs) because we got an anniversary card from our therapist. And I was like, we both like, we both like cried because there's so like no one, I mean, literally in a marriage, you're the only two that are like, you're fighting it out. You're sticking it out. No, like, yeah, your friends love you, but there's no one in it with you. There's no one in the trenches with you going like, you got this, you can do this. One more day, one more year. Like, let's talk it out, not just shove it down. Let's work through this. And you know, your anniversary comes and goes and you acknowledge it together as a couple and you go out for dinner and you whatever. And it's, but like to have someone else Mm. take the time to say, Mm. I'm for you Mm. and I'm for you together. Mm -hmm. And this is a beautiful, incredible thing that you guys have. And like, I acknowledge the work that you do to make this as healthy as it is. We were both just like, (laughs) no one's ever sent us an anniversary (laughs) card before. (laughs) You got a good one. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it's just to feel genuinely cared about. And that's why I think, you know, I know you well enough to know that you're thinking a little bit about what's next for you now that your kids are in school and you're talented at so many things. Mm -hmm. And so whether you decide to do interior design or therapy, I feel you obviously you'll be great at it, but, um, you know, thinking of you as a therapist, I easily am like, oh, I know you well enough to know you would care about Mm. your client. Like you would genuinely carry them in your heart. And if they're going through something hard, you know, you would feel it with them and you would enter into the experience with them and hold space there rather than it just being like, oh, geez, Sally's here again and she's going to cry for an hour. <laughs> like you're, And that's I think that that's what is so beautiful about therapists is that so many of them go into the practice because they are trying to figure their own shit out. Mm. And they're the good ones yes. are honest enough to say, I'm still figuring it out. Yep. The honest yep. good ones are the ones that say, I'm not here to tell you I've got it all figured out. Yeah. I'm here to say I'm in it with you. But yeah. I know a little bit about how our brains yes. work. Yes. I know a little bit about our chemical makeup yeah. and our emotions. And I know a yeah. little bit more than you do so I can support you through this. Absolutely. But really, we're in it together. Absolutely. Um, and it's I, so true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much about what you just said. You know, Rhett started going, my husband, to this therapist. Is he going to kill you for saying um, that? No, he's not. He's <laughs> think so he's because he he's pretty open about the how uh how profound and um I gotta think of a better word than life changing. There's gotta be I need a thesaurus. Transformational. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good one. (laughs) How real it is Mm -hmm. and what it does and how it changes you. And um you know, we have been, I think, once together. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's stuff yep. in our marriage, like stuff we've been dealing with for 17 years that we're still dealing with. Yeah. Um, and when I've talked to my therapist about us coming in together and, and some therapists won't even see multiple members of a family separately, like some feel like it's it's not um, you know, I think it depends on the client and it depends on the therapist mm-hmm. and, um, mine would absolutely tell me if he thought if it made him uncomfortable or if it wasn't a good fit. Um, 
so he has, his thing has been, look, I, I think right now the healthiest thing that you guys can do is work on your own stuff mm-hmm. in the same way that like me working on myself shows up with my kids. Yep. Um, me working on myself and Rhett working on himself is going to show up in, in our marriage, you yep. know? And for me, I mean, I think one of the big things this year, you know, when I first started going to my therapist, he said, um, I, he mentioned through the word out there codependent and I was like shocked and horrified and (laughs) offended not really but inside you know I'm keeping it together with him but I was like what me never (gasps) and um you know months later maybe even a year later I came in and I was like so that whole codependent thing let's talk about that um and and You know, the Enneagram has also been really great for that. And I know there's so many opinions and it's not scientific. And then so many people are, it's like the thing now and everybody's using it and using it wrong and Mm -hmm. reading like three lines about it and whatever. But for me, it, it, one of the, I think it's Enneagram. um, Maybe it's the wisdom of the Enneagram, which is my favorite Enneagram book, but they, where they talk about waking up to um, yourself Um, And in the same way that a therapist can kind of show you the ways that you're asleep to yourself. And there's another, maybe it's the sacred Enneagram with uh, Chris Huertz, I think, who talks about this. Therapists do the same thing, though. You it's this way. It's a mirror where you can see parts of yourself that you couldn't see without it. Again, like the ruts in our brain, the patterns in our relationships, the uh, ways that we get into addictive behaviors, whatever it is that we become, uh, we can't, we can't see anymore. Mm. You know, so many times, even in the way I relate to my kids or the way I relate to my husband, I think it's so hard to get outside yourself and see what's really happening. Mm. And the great thing about the Enneagram, in, especially in conjunction with therapy, because I talk to my therapist about the Enneagram all the time, um, is that they're both these mirrors and they say, hey, you know, you may not have seen this thing, but people who are made up like you kind of tend to do this thing that mm-hmm. you might want to pay attention to. Oh man, it's huge. That's so huge. And for me, the Enneagram has also been really supportive in um, empathy for people huge. who aren't like me. Yeah. Because so so often I'm like, what is wrong with you? You're so yes. sensitive. Or yes. like, what is wrong with you? You're so two-faced. And yeah. then to be like, oh, hang on. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Um, and to be more compassionate and soft towards people who aren't exactly like me. Um, Which, I mean, I think about my son, you know, my older son, Locke, who I think you and him, I I believe that you and and he are the same number. (laughs) Um, And that has been so big for me to know this incredible human being that I love my son, but is my son. And that's a hard relationship. But then to know this other incredible human being that I love, Caroline, and she's like this adult version, healthy adult version of what my kid could be. And having you say, hey, this is what your kid might feel like. This is what his perspective might look like. I mean, he and I have both, it's changed our relationship because it's given us both this understanding. Um, and I, and it's allowed me to parent my kids differently. Mm. Um, 
according to kind of what their number is. Mm, that's so beautiful, um, though. Yeah, I but, love it. And, and I think in, you know, especially with therapy, it's when multiple um, pieces of your life are saying the same thing, when multiple people are saying the same thing, or it's like confirmation. And that was the thing, like with the whole codependent thing in therapy. You know, I was looking at what the Enneagram was saying about a two and then this codependent word was kind of floating around my therapist had like thrown it out there to just see if it would where it would hit me (laughs) right in the heart Uh (laughs) and the funny thing was I really could not see it yeah and I think with therapy with the Enneagram you know we can't there are things about us that we can't see it doesn't make it us wrong that we can't see them we just haven't had the somebody hold a mirror up or we haven't been in a position where we had to look at those things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one thing that in the wisdom of the Enneagram, uh, that has stuck with me is this idea that our, our, uh, personality is not us Mm. because I get so, um, caught up and, and frustrated with like my patterns, my, uh, the, these this personality I've constructed to protect myself um and like the real Jesse the real Caroline it's deep down in there um and so thinking about myself as a soul thinking about my son as a soul and like what does what does he need what does his soul need um what are his deepest fears and his deepest needs um and and how is that uh manifesting itself in the way that he's communicating with me right now or I'm communicating with him. Mm. Um, yeah. I love it. So let's say someone's listening and they're like, okay, fine. Maybe it's time to try therapy. <laughs> um, what's the, what's the way to go? How would you tell someone to find a therapist if they've never if they've never had therapy before, mm. if they're a little scared, if they're like, I want a therapist that cares about me, mm. um, but I don't even know where to start, mm. what's what is what does a process look like for you? And yeah. what words of kind of, you know, advice would you have? I mean, I would say, first off, it is it can be a process and that's okay. Like you may not have a perfect fit with the first therapist that you meet with and that's okay. Yeah. Or you may have to meet with them several times. I was, I was telling, I think I was telling my sister today or yesterday that, um, it has taken, I'm going on, it's been over two years now that I've been meeting with this therapist, but at certain points, it's like we get to the next layer of things. We go deeper. I'm more willing to be more vulnerable because as everyone knows, it's not easy to go in and just start sharing the really deep parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's not expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know this is a long process. This isn't a one and done. No, no. It's and, and you know, something that's comforting to me is my therapist has had a therapist since he was in his 20s and he's still meeting with her. Mm. She's like 80 now. That's amazing. And he said, you know, this is a life for me. This is a lifeline. And you don't have to commit. You don't have to go in committing mm. to it. Mm. Um, but for me, it has been so important. Yeah. And so transformative. Yeah. Um, 
to use your word. Yeah. So no, but that's it's a good thing to set expectations for for length. Um, one of my dear, well, I'll just be honest with you, my sister in law who may not legally be my sister in law anymore. <laughs> I'm not sure, but. Um, when my brother had an affair, I let her know, I think you should get into therapy. Yeah. And she's one of the, she's the type of person who's been very like therapy. No, we don't yeah. do that. Therapy's just for really broken people. Um, but I said, therapy is really something that would support you in getting yes. through, like going yeah. through this, processing it, understanding it, grieving it, yeah. being angry. Um, I would recommend therapy. Um, and she was like, Ugh all right, maybe, well, like, how long is this going to take? Like, is this like two weeks, two months? And I was like, oh, hon, Uh I would say give yourself two years Uh and see how you see how you go. Because we are so complex. There are so many layers. And if you're dealing, if you're seeing someone for one hour Mm -hmm. and you have things to process, Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll go into a session thinking like, oh, today is going to be no big deal. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I accidentally, without realizing it, realize, oh, there's a lot of anger there and I just need a safe space to get it out where I'm not going to be hurting someone in my real life. Because that's the thing. Our anger is going to come out somewhere else if we don't actually process it. And then suddenly, oh, I'm hurting the people around me and it's not even their fault. I just am, you know, being like passive in the way that I'm processing. Or it's going to show up in your body. I mean, when I first went to my therapist, I was having pains in in my neck, Mm. pains in my back. Um, and, and we don't, again, when it, we don't know exactly how it all works, but m- more and more we're seeing that there's this whole world yep. that we haven't been able to exactly quantify yet mm-hmm. and emotion and trauma and, uh, all these things like live in they our body. They do. They live in our body. Especially and- when we're not verbalizing them. Uh-huh. They're gonna sit in places and- Fester. And fester and ask us, please take me to therapy so I can <laughs> get this out of you. Well, the happy, the happy, well, not, ha- I mean, it's, it's my, I'm going to say it's happy. Um, But my sister-in-law did start to see yeah. a therapist um, and has also become totally in love with mm. the process and mm. now is like, I absolutely get it. Um, You know, it was the, it was the, it was the same old story of like, yeah. No, we don't do therapy. Therapy is for really fucked up people. Yeah. We're fine. We'll, you know, we'll be fine. We're fine. Um, but now she loves therapy. Mm-hmm. She has been so supported by it. And she even, uh, I talked to her on the phone a couple of weeks ago and she was like, you know, I actually bought a therapy session for my best friend because I was like, you need to get in there and experience this. You need to see that this is going to change your life. And my best friend was like, no, I don't need therapy. And she's like, I'll pay for your first session. And Amazing. so she had so become like an evangelical, yes, like not, a, not an evangelical, an evangelist, yes. not an evangelical. Oh my goodness. Um, she's become an evangelist for therapy, which may, I'm like quietly like clapping under the table because I'm just like, you did that. You did that. <laughs> but it is, it is one of those things where because no one talked like because it hasn't been talked about a lot there is even this kind of expectation that just need people need to be like so what am I getting myself into Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. what should I expect what is it like do I lay down on a couch is it going to just be like tell me about your feelings um and like the answer is no it's just that's not what it's like it's not it's not like the cliche it's not like 
I mean, there are cliches about it. Absolutely. And yes, we live in L.A. And yes, you can make fun of us. And yes, we had our matcha smoothies this morning. No, just kidding. We didn't. I had tea. <laughs> but I did have I did have the uh, mushroom elixir in it. What? Not not that mushroom elixir. <laughs> the four sigmatic mushroom elixir that is good for your brain. Christy told me I need to take it for my brain. Oh. Thank you, Christy. So I'm taking it. Is it anyway, does it taste bad? No, it tastes. It has a little bit of a coffee kind of. Oh, okay. It's good. It's All good. Right. Um, okay, so since lion's I totally mane. that's the mushroom. Sorry, now I lion's remember. mane. Lion's mane. She told me okay. everyone should be taking lion's mane. I'm on it. I'm on it. All right. Um, since I totally interrupted you before um, with my own therapy success I story. It. No, I love um, it. Tell, and, so, well, and that's the thing you do. Like I have told everybody in my life, go, please go to therapy, go to therapy. And, you know, it's hard to find. I think for me, I'm so grateful that I just asked for a recommendation from a friend and mm. it worked out. And sometimes I just am in awe of the fact that like it was such an incredible fit yeah um and and that's when i have to go back to like this wasn't an accident Mm -hmm. you know there's a beautiful light guiding us towards this uh yeah totally i think i've seen five or six therapists in the past 13 years Mm -hmm. um just mostly just because of where i've been living and when i you know move uh see someone new um and for the most part, I've they I mean, I've gotten to experience different types of yeah. therapy um, because there are so many, <sighs> so that. many. Um, but I would say I think only one of them did we not really continue with. Um, and it was it was years ago and it was we were going through a really hard time. So we went together mm. like it was like, let's get some marriage support. Yeah. And. We only went a few times and I was like, you know, you got to try it out, see if, how it's going. But I remember a couple weeks in, I remember the, ther- the therapist just very honestly saying to us and like, bless his heart. He was just being honest, but he was like, you know, guys, I can't actually figure out why you're together. <laughs> <laughs> and we were both just like, what a horrible um, therapist. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, um, I just feel like that's like therapy 101. Like, don't say that. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he, maybe he had some really smart plan. I, maybe that. he did. But for know. us, we were just sort of like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> we'll find someone who actually like will help us with this because we're together because we want to be together. Yeah. Yeah. We're choosing each other every yeah. day. So yeah. that's why we're, that's why we, that's why we're together. Yeah. Um, and so for, like, cause I think he was just looking at it from the practicality, yes, like the absolutely. logistics where he's like, well, you're from Australia and you're from America and you can't decide where to live. And you know, like right. it, it was all of these logistics that yeah. were coming up and we were like, this is hard. We yeah. need help with this. And he was just like, well, I can't actually figure out why, why you're together. So I don't really know what, and, I, and we were just sort of like, well, that's why we're like, we love each other. We're committed <laughs> to each other. Like, I don't understand. Anyway, all that to say, we did not see him anymore, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but it's okay to not continue working with someone. It is. I would say give it, you know, give it a, some sessions. Yeah. Maybe like three to six. That's to just, I, That sounds good to yeah. me because I think it, it probably took at least a month of me meeting with my therapist before I was in. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm committed to mm-hmm. this. 
Um, and I know people who have been uh, other people who, you know, one woman I know who I think went to three or four before she found the one that she was going to stay with. And it was an incredible five year, at least relationship where they talked, where she saw her, you know, weekly, mm. multiple times a week, even. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think if you can get recommendations, if you're not too close to the person, obviously, if you're far enough away from them emotionally that you can go to the same therapist or, you know, the internet is amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I posted a, um, I posted a story that I made a highlight on my, um, on my Instagram because I talked about how Jaden and I have loved therapy our entire relationship. It was actually one of the promises that we made to each other before we even got married was let's just start with therapy before we hit any problems because we just watch so many friends and even our own parents who have been together for so long and we watched them kind of hit the same issue over and over again and none of them none of the four of our parents had were were into therapy at the time now now my mom goes to therapy and she loves it and totally gets it, which is awesome. Yeah. Go mom. Um, yeah. But there had just been this sort of like, mm, nah, that's not for us. And so we as, you know, 19 and 23-year-olds <laughs> were like, let's just start therapy right away mm-hmm. and let's stay open and stay mm-hmm. soft and have mm-hmm. outside voices yeah. speaking into our lives. So I on our anniversary, I posted about um, how much we've loved therapy And I had so many people write and say like, well, how do you even find a good therapist? And so I made, um, I made a little like highlights thing of what I look for when we were, when we're somewhere new. So, um, I, I look for someone that has a PhD Yes, and I know that some, I got a couple therapists were a little mad, Mm -hmm. a couple Mm -hmm. counselors were Mm -hmm. like, Hey, this isn't fair. And I was like, I'm just speaking from my, my experience. I value someone who has really dug into things like the neurology of mm-hmm. our brain development. Mm-hmm. And some of that stuff just doesn't get covered as much when it, you're a counselor. Right. Um, right. And I also think word the word counselor gets thrown around, especially in like religious circles yes. where you actually have no training. You yep. just have a big heart and love people, yeah. which is great. Intentions are amazing, but I would, that's one for me. Yeah. Have you ever seen anyone who doesn't have their PhD? Um, I have. I've seen, I think... Uh, you know, the, uh, the lady I saw in North Carolina had, I think she was MFT, um, and was incredible. And I know some MFTs who are incredible. Mm. So, I mean, I, I totally get though, the feeling of like somebody who has just counselor after Uh, their name. I think both of us have probably been exposed to a lot of that and they end up doing way more damage, um, and causing a lot more pain mm-hmm. than than being helpful. So I think credentials are really important. Yeah, and who it, you're and, trusting and credentials yourself with. is like not like a six week program Mm-mm. that you went through. Um, like real credentials. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I it wouldn't have to be a PhD or a PsyD for me, but I, my therapist does have a PsyD, so that's cool. But yeah, I know people but even have, like you said, an MF. Um, MFT, an MFT, yeah. just something that is beyond like I care about people. Yeah, absolutely. Because good intentions, I mean, hundred percent. You probably wouldn't go to you know 
you probably wouldn't go to like a florist to mm-hmm. do your chiropractic work because Absolutely. they have good intentions, but they're going to be a cause lot cheaper pain. though, Caroline. <laughs> but yeah, this is something that you don't want to play around. Yeah. With. They can cause more pain. Yeah. They, and yeah. again, best intentions, yep. best intentions. Absolutely. Um, another thing that I love that I've found some of the therapists that I've seen have done is um, EFT, like yeah. emotionally focused therapy. Have you ever done I that? I have not. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, and I think uh, you've mentioned that before and I've meant to look that up. Mm. Um, you know, there are so many different kinds and so many approaches and different needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with the OCD, there are different ways to treat you know, different ideas about what works. And and I think different things work for different people again. So the biggest thing is like asking yourself how you're feeling about um, the person that you're meeting with, you know, being really honest with yourself mm-hmm. about it. If, if you feel like it's your time, it's their time, it's your money mm-hmm. um, and it's your mental health. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I just, I can't say enough. Like, I don't think you will ever regret making the decision to um, see a therapist. I think it's like one of the best decisions of my life. Mm. I love it. There is a website, goodtherapy.org, that I have found um, has a really great database of people all over. um, And you can search based on their credentials and on the type of approach that they take in therapy so if anyone's listening and doesn't have a local friend or colleague that they can ask um that is goodtherapy.org is a really great spot to search and also keep in mind that a lot of therapists do um skype calling like jesse was talking about before with you were talking about with their apps there Mm. are all sorts of different ways now where you don't have to go somewhere. Yeah. And I have. think it depends on like the state and the legal, you know, certain boards have different requirements. Some states won't let you do that. But I think in, in most now you it, you can get Skype mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and even if you do get a recommendation for a therapist from a friend, I think it's always good to do your own homework because mm-hmm. we all got crazy friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> do your own homework. Check the therapist out online. Um, I think even Yelp now you can check out some therapists on Yelp. That's crazy. Um, that would be so nerve wracking if I was a therapist, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, don't. So yeah. I mean, can you imagine if therapists wrote about us on Yelp? (laughs) I have thought about that a lot. Like, what is he, what does he really think about me? What what does my folder say? Yes. Oh my God. I won't ever know. It's probably a really good thing. (laughs) And if you're into therapy and would like to get a taste of it. Um, something that I've been enjoying so much recently are uh, there's two podcasts. One is um, by Esther Perel, which mm-hmm. I know who I know you're a big fan of, Caroline. Love her. Um, and her podcast is Where Should We Begin? Um, I think there are only two seasons, which was a big bummer. Um, is it not maybe one season? I, I I'm trying to. There were way less podcasts than what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's still working is on it though. I feel like it's it? still fairly I new. Hope so yeah, I hope it's so. amazing. It's phenomenal. Um, and so she's working with couples, uh, which is fascinating and mm-hmm. such a gift that these people will let us into their therapy sessions. And then another one, um, 
is Hillary McBride's podcast, Other People's Problems, and she's getting ready to come out with season two. Uh-huh. Um, and you can just hear hear what therapy sounds like. Yeah, it's good. And it's good to also get a, get to hear what good therapy sounds yeah, like, absolutely. because I think there are some other lesser therapists that maybe if you if you don't have an experience with therapy, yeah. it can be hard to know what am I looking for? Yes. Is this normal? Absolutely. And so to get to listen in on other people's sessions and get a sense for, oh, that's that's what I that's what I'm looking for. Like that's the the standard that I'm yeah. setting. Um, another one, uh, just a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I had um, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, who yeah. has a podcast called Holding Space, um, and she specializes in postnatal, postpartum OCD, postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, and so she came on my postpartum depression episode and talked a little bit about postpartum depression and how even men can get it, which I didn't even know. And um, so she is someone who also has a podcast. And um, if that's something that you're interested in listening to, I'll throw in a plug for her. Yeah, I'm adding that to my list for sure. <laughs> my my therapy podcast rotation. I know, I know. Just can't get enough. <laughs> well, especially if you're thinking about becoming one. Yeah. You got You can listen. To, I just, mean, it's a long road yeah. if that's the case. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. It's an open field. <laughs> I love who it. Who knows, Caroline? With the wind at That's your right. Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q&A with Jessie McLaughlin about her social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?